Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all the people Living for today Well, what an iconic message. Welcome everyone. My name is Anne Wilson and it is my pleasure to host the Emerge Australia podcast series in which we speak to people impacted by and associated with MECFS and long COVID. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we meet and we pay our respects to elders past, present, emerging and those listening today. This podcast series is titled Imagine, in honour of John Lennon's iconic song of the same name, sung so beautifully for us by the amazingly talented Bloom. Imagine a world where there is no greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man, maybe a world without discrimination or stigma, a world where the voices of those suffering invisibly are listened to, seen and heard, a world where there's a cure for ME and long COVID. Imagine all the people. So to discuss her journey, I'm delighted to welcome Amanda Canzerlo Bloom to our podcast series. Amanda was diagnosed with glandular fever at the age of 16. After being bedridden for approximately 8 to 10 weeks, she was then diagnosed with ME-CFS. Back then, before Facebook and widespread internet use, there was not a lot of easily accessible research available and little in the form of patient information or support. On her return to high school, Amanda averaged one day off a week in her senior studies and would fall asleep in class. This led to her needing to reduce her study load of senior subjects as she lacked the energy and memory function to complete her studies. For a short time, Amanda lost the ability for her brain to convert information from short-term to long-term memory and had to resort to rote learning. Amanda was planning to go to university straight from school to study nursing, but couldn't because she was not able to complete her exams. To tell us more about her journey, that has ultimately led her to become a full-time touring artist and to tell us how she got there. I'm delighted to welcome Amanda to our Imagine Series podcast. Welcome, Amanda. And I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, would you like me to call you Amanda or Bloom? (laughs) Hi, thank you so much for having me. And you can call me Amanda, of course. Oh, wonderful. That is my name. Bloom, obviously the stage name, but yes, Amanda is great. Oh, fantastic. So why don't we start by just asking you to tell us a bit more about your MECFS journey and the impact it had, particularly on your younger years? I think you recapped it great. Um, Sometimes I forget 
what happened all those years ago. But, you know, if I do really have to think about it, I was quite uh, bubbly and social and active and then just having to stop. Um, I distinctly remember at the time my spleen was quite enlarged and we were about to head out on a, a school camp or excursion for, for a week. It was quite an active one and the doctor was like, absolutely no way, uh, you were on bed rest. And uh, I just my whole world had just stopped. So I don't think at the time, you know, being young, you don't really grasp what's happening uh, as a teenager. Now as an adult I look back and I think, how did I even deal with that? But I, I just did. I just kind of listened to my body and at that time I just needed to be in bed and I needed to rest. Um, and it was tricky because there wasn't much information. So I think I went to every naturopath specialist, doctor. I was at the doctor's surgery every week or every second week having blood tests to check everything. And it, it was just what my life was uh, for that period of time. How did you cope? Because as a teenager, one of the most important things is socialisation, being with your mates and your friends. How did you cope with some of that social isolation? Um, I don't really remember how I coped at the time. I don't I don't remember falling into a depression or anything like that. I do remember though when I was getting back out there, I really struggled to form a sentence. I had to relearn how to communicate, how to find words, how to piece them together. And maybe that was because I was isolated for so long. Um, I'm sure I talked to my friends on the phone, you know, but I just I don't really remember, um, you know, how I was feeling at the time. I just I remember eating lots of potatoes and feeling tired, <laughs> um, not to make light of the situation at all, but I think, yeah, I, I just can't remember the whole the bedridden days that well, but it, I definitely struggled getting back out there and having the confidence to just have a chat. That was a real struggle for me. Yeah, so there were various things that in in the um, time when, you know, your MECFS was sort of full-blown that you could no longer do, like concentrate, et cetera. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, when it was full-blown, I was just in bed. Um, I mean, we didn't have Netflix back then. There weren't many distractions. I, I just remember sleeping a lot and getting up to go to the toilet just took so much energy out of me. I suppose, you know, I, I didn't have much education around chronic fatigue or, or glandular fever, so I didn't know, you know, the right foods to eat up until I went to go and see someone like a naturopath who kind of steered me in the direction to help me heal my body. And that's when the journey started for me. But yeah, right in the thick of it, maybe I've blocked it out. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I, I just remember little bits of pieces of just being extremely exhausted and just not being able to function at all. Yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned glandular fever. Did you have glandular fever? I did, and I got it quite severely. My brother also got it. He got his, like, just a cold. Within a few weeks he was fine. But for me it 
lasted a lot longer. Uh, I had a series of tonsillitis that followed that. And it just, that was the very beginning of kicking off. Um, MECFS journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which it is for a lot of people, you know, there's, there's a trigger infection and it's often um, glandular fever. And so uh, that just triggers your body's immune system and your cellular structure to to keep working overtime that and that ends up causing the fatigue that just continues and for some people luckily not for yourself it it you know can last a very long time and make them bed bound for a very very long time so can you tell me whether you know your the severity of your MECFS had an impact on your family, on your parents? And how did they react to you having to sleep and rest at a time when I guess they thought you'd be at university? Um, I'm of an Italian family, so there's not much. Back then there wasn't much discussion. Um, I don't even think they really understood the severity of what was going on. I was the first person in our family to ever have glandular fever and then chronic fatigue. So they didn't quite get it. My dad, I don't really remember dad, you know, he'd check in on me when he'd go to work and things like that. And mum was the one that pretty much took me to all of the appointments. And she actually mentioned it the other day, just because I've recently had a flare up. um, And she in passing comments said, oh my gosh, you know, that was such a terrible time. And we haven't really discussed it to yep. be honest. But, um, yeah, she was the one taking me to endless appointments just trying to help because she was trying to understand it as well as a mother who had never had it herself just to see her vibrant daughter, um, you know, go from a, a million miles an hour and loving life and doing all these, you know, exciting things. I was singing back then as a teenager too. So, you know, there were lots of things happening and I was a very much, you know, go-getter type of person um I still am but back then you know (laughs) um so yeah she struggled to help me because she she didn't have the resources and know what to do yeah yeah so um you have talked about some of your most recent struggles um would you be willing to share um how they've impacted your MECFS very recently absolutely my um my MECFS symptoms had been you know kept at bay I mean they're always with me but I'm a very active touring artist I travel the country perform 60 shows a year and I'm very lucky to be able to to do what I love and I was able to kind of balance and manage my own symptoms but recently uh at the start of September I went in for uh hernia mesh um surgery and I was one of the lucky ones who had a systemic reaction to that mesh. And so three weeks later, I was back in surgery and um, they are linking that reaction to the chronic fatigue, but they're still investigating things on my end. But there have been some studies that show autoimmune links to uh, hernia mesh reactions. And uh, I had a pretty terrible time in that operation. I'm very thankful to be alive. Uh, It was a a long four-hour operation with 800 mils of blood loss. And then since then, waking up in shock and um, all of my symptoms, tender lymph nodes, uh, digestive issues, um, 
you know, shortness of breath, irregular heartbeat. Uh, I suppose my racing pulse has been the number one thing that has been debilitating because as soon as I would get up to do something uh, like do the dishes, uh, my heart rate went up to like 145 and I would have to just lay down until I could regulate it with breathing. And that went on for a couple of weeks post-surgery. So it really scared me because I thought I can't even get up to do something like the dishes or, or have a shower without my pulse racing. And I'd never experienced that before um, with my chronic fatigue symptoms along my, you know, 20 plus year journey. I'd never had that. Um, I definitely had the fatigue, um, but that, that racing pulse really scared me. And it just took me right back to them being a teenager where the event of the day is just to have a shower and then I have to rest for the rest of the day. Um, thankfully I'm three weeks post-op this week and this week is better, but, uh, I've just come out of a three-day migraine. So <laughs> today my head feels nice and light, which is beautiful, but I'm definitely struggling at the moment. Um, that surgery really just brought it all back. So thankfully now we have, you know, plenty of resources out there. You guys are doing amazing jobs, um, you know, practitioners out there know a little bit more, the ones that I'm dealing with anyway, and I am feeling like I've, I'm being listened to and um, I'm a little more educated with the types of foods that I should be eating. So I feel like my recovery is different and a little quicker this time around um, just because I'm able to be more attuned to my body and I'm, I'm looking at this as an adult now rather than a teenager. Yeah. It's interesting that you do comment about you're aware of the foods that you can eat. Um, that would be really interesting to know because we haven't really explored diet very much for people with ME-CFS, which is an area we want to go into. What are the kind of things that are best for you to eat? It's such a tricky thing. So I listen to a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of clinical nutritionists that uh, are across ME-CFS, and uh, it's hard because one will say eat eggs, the other one says don't eat eggs, you know. So I, I think for me, I just have to listen to my body and what works for me. Um, at the start of this journey out of hospital, because I lost so much blood, I was in mild anemia, uh, also something I've never had to deal with before. So my foods for those first couple of weeks were all high in iron foods. Yep, yep. Um, so I stay away from bread, alcohol, sugar and like cheese, lots of dairy. So I've kind of cut a lot of that out of my diet. That's just because it makes me feel better. It's not for everybody. Um, but I was able to, you know, lift my blood levels in those two weeks just by changing my diet because that was the only thing I changed. Obviously my blood replenishes itself as well, but with a helping hand of feeding it the right nutrients. Um, yeah. Lots of vitamins. Um, I'm definitely on some supplements, good pre and probiotics, I, I think are a must. And yeah, so gut health, you know, for me, I suffered a lot with IBS since my initial diagnosis 20 plus years ago. So is, there's a lot of trial and error. Eggs, you know, that gray area with eggs, I mentioned it earlier. I can sometimes eat them, but I can't eat them every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I find little bit of everything in moderation, lots of smaller meals, not so much big meals, yeah. um, and stick with the proteins 
um, and your veggies and herbs. Herbs are a must in every diet. Everybody needs to eat herbs. Yeah, which ones have you found to be most helpful? Uh, coriander and mint are my wow. top two superfood herbs that are, yeah. are now in my diet a lot. Yeah, well, mint is very good because that sort of is like it helps everything to go through your body, so it really aids in digestion. Yes, yeah, and it tastes amazing. Uh, yes. Have you found that um, gluten is an issue for you? Yeah, I mean, I've had been tested for gluten and they say that I'm fine, that I'm not in like intolerant to gluten, but, uh, you know, I definitely it, I can see my body gets inflamed if I eat pizza or bread or too much of it. You know, I won't, you know, if I feel like a slice of toast or something, I'll have that, but I can't really, yeah, eat pasta, pizza and all those heavy things, definitely not on a weekly basis. They're not in my weekly diet at all. Wow, coming from an Italian. Italian. I reckon that would be really tough. It is, especially when Nonna invites you over for dinner every week. <laughs> it's because you need some good Italian food. I get it. I, get I, ha- it. I have to say homemade pasta doesn't affect me the same way that store-bought yeah. pasta, you know. So yeah. that's how I get around it. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll take the homemade pasta any day. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Emerge Australia aims to ensure that anyone impacted by ME-CFS or long COVID has access to support, information and advocacy that empowers them with the knowledge and skills to make their lives more livable. We offer support to over half a million Australians who face ME-CFS and long COVID. So, Amanda, how do you think we can bring hope to our listeners who are enduring ME-CFS? Because there's a lot of people out there who've been struggling for so long, you know, some are bed-bound or house-bound, and, you know, there's so many things that have to change, like government needs to fund clinical guidelines for GPs. They need to find fund more GP education. So how can, how can you bring hope to our listeners who are suffering and probably have been suffering for a very long time? Firstly, my heart goes out to all of those listeners and everybody suffering with ME-CFS because up until these last or up until September, you know, I was on the road and, and busy and you you don't realise what they're going through until you actually go through it firsthand and um, all those things that we take for granted like preparing dinner, for example, where I would be answering emails, preparing dinner and on a phone call and talking to my husband all at the same time, you know, I I couldn't do that two weeks ago. I could barely stand to peel the potato. So I understand, um, you know, how hard it is to have hope during those low moments. Um, But I think it's very important for your mindset and um, sometimes I feel like if you're on those, you know, Facebook forums, which are great communities for people that are all in it together, sometimes it can get a little negative and heavy and, and I don't think that's helpful. Um, I think we need to try and stay positive and if you are resting and, and you can't do anything else, maybe listen to a positive meditation or something that's going to help 
your mindset. And I hope that my story showing people that, you know, eventually I did get back out there. It was a long journey. I'm still learning about my my symptoms and I'm I'm still working with my body, but I don't look at my body as if it's attacking itself anymore. It's not weak. I'm thankful to my body that it's protecting me and it's helping me, um, you know, fight this illness. So just by changing that mindset, instead of looking in the mirror and thinking, well, for me, this is my own personal journey. I would look in the mirror and see everything that was wrong with my body. I now look at it and I'm thankful for it. And it just, it that does make me feel better. Yeah, that that's quite incredible. I mean, certainly, um, you know, we have a lot of people who, who are very down about the impact um, that MECFS has had not just on their body but on their lives. You know, they're grieving, they're mourning the loss of their previous life. So um, hearing from someone who's got a very positive attitude, um, I'm sure will be very helpful, albeit there will be some people who are listening right now who say, well, I can't do that. Um, but um, your story is certainly one that, you know, comes through as, as one of hope. The final question I think I want to ask you is, because it's of interest to me, um, you know, how has music played um, a part in your recovery? Oh, man, music is my saviour. Um, even if I'm, I've been rehearsing, I'm due to be back on the road in uh, 11 days. And so I don't have a lot of time to have this illness kind of, you know, take control of me, which is why I'm really fighting it with my mind as much as I can and I'm resting as much as I can. But I've been rehearsing from my bed. Um, even on the days that I didn't have the strength to sing, I was listening to the songs and and now that I have picked up the strength to sing just in the last couple of days, when I sing, I don't feel any pain. Um, it's the only time that my body is just feels like I can't even articulate it. Um, but music is healing for the singer and for the listener. So um, it's definitely saved me and uh, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to share my gift with everybody well we're very fortunate that you do share your gift with all of us and um we we do thank you for your time and your willingness to share some very personal views and experiences and having been to two of your concerts i want to thoroughly recommend um your concerts to our listeners this is a plug, but it's it's a plug that I'm making because I so loved your music. Um, you are such a soulful and amazing singer and talented artist, as is your wonderful husband who joins you on stage and your your other performers. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. Emerge Australia is so very grateful for the donations you enable um, through your fans and audience. It's it's really appreciated. And so if anybody out there would like to listen 
to Amanda's songs uh, under her stage name, Bloom. I urge you to go to her website. And if you can't attend her concerts, have a listen to some of the clips that are on there and listen to her music. It, it is it is certainly very therapeutic and um, and I thoroughly enjoy it. So, um, Amanda, thank you so very much uh, for being here today and sharing with us. And importantly, thank you for being uh, an Emerge Australia ambassador. Uh, we are really honoured to have you as our ambassador and love working with you. Thank you so much for having me and we will be raising money for Emerge at all of our upcoming shows uh, starting in a couple of weeks. So if you're around and you and you see me at the show, please come and share your story with me if you feel like it. But, yeah, we'll be raising money so that you can continue to do this amazing work. Thank you so much, Anne, and all of your team for doing this because uh, I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much. So the Emerge Australia Imagine podcast series seeks to speak with people of influence and those whose voices need to be heard. This is a platform where we can together explore the pressing issues faced by 250,000 people with MECFS and at least 400,000 more with long COVID. Tune in again for our next interview and don't forget for more information and to subscribe to the Emerge Australia newsletter, visit our website on www.emerge.org.au. If the content of this or other Emerge Australia podcasts has triggered an emotional response for you for which you need assistance, feel free to contact Lifeline on 131114 Crisis Support and Suicide Prevention Service. You may also wish to go onto the Emerge Australia website where emergency services are listed. Thank you so much again, Amanda, and I hope everyone has enjoyed this interview and bye for now. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I hope someday you'll join us and the world.